Joe Miller, Dylan Wolf, and Levi D. Smith. Hello everyone. Welcome to the July 2017 meeting of the Knoxville Game Design. We are a group of developers in the Knoxville and East Tennessee area, and we develop games for game jams, develop games as a hobby, and we also have games on major platforms as well. Uh, this month we have three people uh, joining us. First of all, I'm Levi Smith. I'm in... Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and I have games such as One Gunman and TTY GFX Adventure. Uh, next, we have Joe Miller from Morristown, Tennessee, and you may know him from games such as Kufu's Delivery Service and uh, Sub uh, Hunter and One Card Hero. That's, that's Dylan. <laughs> And we also have on the call Dylan Wolf from Lenore City, and you may know him from games such as Shifty Shapes and One Card Hero, and he's also a member of Funkworks LLC. Hello. So this month, uh, it may be a quick meeting. Uh, we have a few things to talk about. Uh, we have a few game jams coming up in July. But first of all, we'll start out with a little bit of show and tell. I'm not sure if we've really been doing that much this month, but we'll go around the circle just in case. Uh, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to show off this month? Uh, sure. I think that clicked over okay. Is that showing my screen? Yes, looks great. All right. So uh, I've been trying to get my Twitch started up a little bit, which I used a online service called uh, S-T-R-E-X-M, Strixim. I don't know oh, if other people have heard of that. I haven't to, ever heard of that one. To be able to host uh, an online layout that I can like update in real time without having to like Photoshop my own image or move around the stuff with OBS. So it kind of looks like this is the preview of it. Uh, so the video would go here and the webcam here and then it can automatically use the plugins to show like your recent followers and subscribers and stuff. Uh, and like yeah, social been media links. Watching more Twitch streams lately, just like people playing games and they have some really neat stuff integrated now, like where you're showing, it can show people that are subscribing or people can donate. And then if somebody donates then they can like pop up a message that will do a text to chat or something or text to speech. Yeah, and that's this this website. Um, hopefully, there's nothing too uh, important showing here, like my key or anything. But it's uh, you can kind of set stuff up like that, so you can you can edit your layout and set up like preset things to to automatically tweet on certain things or. To send out messages if you get auto followers and auto just stuff like that you can change what your uh stream title and what you're streaming here without having to go into twitch settings itself and then the store what they so what i'm using is still free but then they have a paid marketplace for stuff where you can set up themed uh layouts 
which is it's pretty neat. You get these coins, which you get coins uh, while you're streaming with their thing. Like you can uh, earn coins from just having viewers, mm-hmm. and then you can get out. So they already have stuff set up. Like if you're going to be streaming Diablo three, you can use a Diablo three theme or Rocket League or whatever. Um, well, I'm just using one of the free color ones. That's a How- pretty neat. Sorry. How does it work? Like, are you streaming to their service and then they stream to Twitch, or? Uh, so on here, they give you. You have to connect it to your broadcaster, uh, not to your Twitch. So um, they give you a link that you put in on OBS, and it, and they actually have a okay. setup. That's. Uh, it walks you through it pretty easy. Like it tells you where to go in OBS and where to paste the link. Yeah, I can see there Jacob. where you can specify the game, and I know like that re- integrates really well with um, Le- the Ludumdari website, um, where you can just specify a game, then it will actually show up on the main Ludumdari website. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Here's where you can edit the overlay. So while you're here. You can actually um, move things around and change, like if you want to have text somewhere or if you want to add your own stuff to the layout. You can set up your social media links and all of your uh, alerts, follow alerts, sub alerts, which I haven't really gotten too much. And then I, I also went and tried to set up my Twitch page itself with all the information with the panels and links to all my other social media stuff. And I, I haven't really pushed um, on social media too much. Uh, when I when I have been streaming, I just kind of uh, go for it, and I'll just go live for a little bit, and I might get one or two followers, but our viewers. But it kind of it helps me when I'm even when I'm just working on something boring if i know that i'm streaming it like i feel like i try to work harder to to show what i'm doing or i talk myself through it which kind of helps me so i kind of i like where it's going with that yeah i do streaming on youtube and it's about the same i'll get one or two viewers that pop in and sometimes people chat but uh yeah i like streaming when i know what i'm doing and then i can like you're saying talk my way through it but i don't like streaming when i don't know what i'm doing trying to figure things out (laughs) can be kind of frustrating at times yeah and then uh, i haven't really gotten much um done to show off for subhunter um that's kind of still the thing I'm working on in the the background now. It's the mobile release for that, and then I was gonna work on getting Kufus out on Steam. Was my next project, and then after that, I think I am gonna switch over to Game Maker Two, which I know you've been talking about a little bit. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, let us know whenever you release any of of your games. Uh, we'll definitely go out there and check them out. Yeah, I, I, I'm in like the last 10%, which is always rough with game dev because now I'm finding I'm trying to get a lot of little stuff working and it's it's very time consuming to to make changes and test them and make sure I didn't break other stuff. Yeah, And even just 
testing some of the stuff with like in-app purchases it takes a really long time because you can't just like run a build of the app and test it you have to like deploy to the beta and make sure the in-app purchase is loaded correctly on like the google play store and itunes and then like it's really hard to figure out what the reason is yeah. Um, if, this, if it's a code problem or if it's just that it wasn't populated right on the store or if I'm not calling the right in-app purchase token in my code, like it's just everything. And then it's like one little change and it's like 30 more minutes of, you know, building out a new APK and uploading it to the store to see if that fixed the problem. And then it usually doesn't on the first try. So. I spent like four hours trying to make one little thing work, but it was really only like eight lines of code. But in between each test was like 30 minutes of compiling and uploading to test it in a live environment. I've always heard what that last 20% can be like 80% of the time spent on like getting ready to release something. Yeah, and then any kind of small, what you think might be a small change, but then like there's a, a ripple effect where you really have to double check everything, find some little bug that I had already fixed or something I thought, and then it pops back up, you know, way later. And then it's really like having to search through lots and lots of code to, to fix it and then make sure that it didn't break anything else when you fix it. Yeah. But hopefully uh, should have that out pretty soon. And I'm actually looking forward to switching over to Game Maker 2. Yeah, I actually for my... bought, bought it on the Steam Summer Sale. Uh, it really wasn't that great of a sale, but I think it's like 20 or percent off or something. So I think I got it for like $80 or 60 or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I just opened it up and started a simple test project, got a sprite moving around. Uh, I really haven't jumped into it, but I'm thinking with the upcoming GM48, I may try to use GameMaker 2 for that. But it seems very similar, but the interface seems to little bit, be a little bit more streamlined and uh, responsive and things like that. Yeah, I was planning on doing this, the Game Maker 48, and then the uh, Ludum Daria is going to stick with Game Maker 1 this time around, but hopefully I'll be ready next time. Yeah, it, it, it isn't cheap, Game Maker 2, because the $85 version that I got, I think that's only for making uh, PC Windows builds. You can't even do web builds with it, uh, yeah. Mac or anything else. And uh, I think the mobile license is like $400. That's crazy. <laughs> but if you win GM48, I think that's like one of the prizes is... Uh, a module of your choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it looks like uh, Jacob Turnmeyer has joined us. Jacob, can you hear us? Yes. Oh, how, how have you been doing? It's been a while. I've been, I've been good. Yeah. I've been working at U- I've been working at UT recently. Oh, that's awesome. Are you do- still doing game development stuff? Uh, I haven't really developed a lot of anything so far. I'll probably get back to it in some time. I've been really just not really been working with games a lot recently. I'll probably get back into it 
but I haven't been working on anything right now. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, we all need a uh, break from game development <laughs> every once in a while. Are you going to participate in the upcoming GM48 jam this uh, next yes. weekend? I'll probably be participate. well, next weekend? I'm not sure. I'll pr- yeah, there's, not there's sure. one next weekend that's Game Maker specific, so everybody oh. uses Game Maker. Yeah, it's uh, gm48.net, and we also have Ludum Dari coming up at the end of the month. I'm not sure if uh, Jacob, we lost him there. It looks like his screen is frozen. But yeah, Jacob is one of our longtime group it members. Be able to do them every week is 10 days up in it. What? Oh, I was just saying, you're Jacob. You're one of our longtime group members back, <laughs> going back years, and uh, you've developed many Ludum Dari games uh, using Game Maker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we were planning on getting together. Uh, we haven't decided yet, but it looks like maybe at the end of July for another Ludum Dari kickoff. Uh, that Friday night, I think it's June or July 29th or maybe 28th. I don't have it. Uh, yeah, July 28th, we're thinking about getting together at okay. uh, the Panera Bread uh, off of Cedar Bluff, I think North Peters Road. So we'll be posting more information about that and sending out notifications on that. All right. Uh, Dylan, uh, I know, yeah, we, we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, I don't know how much you've developed this month, but I know you actually, and I'll share it out here, uh, are going to be doing a couple of talks, uh, at DevConf in Huntsville, Alabama. Or, uh, DevSpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dev, DevSpace. DevSpace Conf. Yeah, DevSpaceConf is the uh, website, but DevSpace is the conference. And I think Chris Gardner, who uh, comes to Knoxville every now and then to do code stock and stuff, uh, yeah, he hosts that. And conference. yeah, and he's uh, like it's it's just kind of a standard uh, development conference, but you know, kind of like code stock here and things like that. Um, I actually submitted because, or actually, let me back up. Uh, and Chris Gardner's like, you know, been doing XNA for a while, so he's kind of been in our same uh, circles and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, XNA was so. like what we all started with for developing yeah. games for Xbox Live indie games. Uh, you can develop two D games, three uh, D not so much, but really one or two but uh, it integrated well with visual studio and things like that yeah so i actually ran into him at Codestock, and he uh, he was like he, he encouraged me to submit uh something because you know i think one of the things he makes sure to do is you know throw in a couple of those game dev uh um, talks at uh at dev space so um I mean, they've already done speaker selection, but, you know, next year that would be something to look out for if uh, you guys are interested in doing um, game dev talks, you know, especially, you know, I think, like, like Levi, you've done talks at Codestock, and, you know, if you're... I actually you're did, like, 
I actually did a talk at the first Dev Comp two years ago <laughs> when okay. they were starting. Uh, so I didn't I have didn't submit anything this year. And it seems like last year they had it on a weird date or something. Typically, I think it's yeah. in October, but it seems like last year is sometime in the middle of summer or something. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, so, I see here you have two sessions: uh, finishing your Unity game and game dev for business developers. Yeah, um, I did a lightning talk of finishing your Unity game at um, Codestock a couple of years ago, and that was basically just, you know, like at the time I had just finished releasing, I guess it may have been Shifty Shapes. I was just like, okay, I'm going to take the checklist that I built of everything I had to do, like, like we were talking about earlier, that last 20%, and kind of work through it so that, you know, um, you get into these things that you don't think about until the last minute. And also, um, I know just like making screenshots and box art and all that, that's like half the amount of time right there. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to do was like, okay, you know, if you've, if you're just doing this, like we're doing this as kind of a hobby and then at some point you want to release and then you realize, wait a minute, I need like five or six different screenshots. Um, but what, so, so that's basically what that is. And then game dev for business developers is one I have not given before. Um, right now it's just an outline, (laughs) um, but just like kind of working through some of the stuff that I had to work through when I picked up XNA and Unity that um, wasn't necessarily obvious. So is this so. more targeted targeted toward publishing a game or like the business uh, side of it? Um, this is no. This is more like um, okay. So let's say you're a C sharp web developer, WPF developer. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like kind of like a lot of us were before we got into, into XNA, like, okay, what does it take to make that leap? You know, how is how is Unity or XNA or whatever different, you know, than your pointer, uh, your point and click web application or something like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I may try to make it down there. I'm not sure. That, that's in October. It isn't too far of a drive from Knoxville, about four and a half hours, I think. Yeah, it's, well, it's actually less than that. It's like three, I think. Yeah, I think you go down out west I-40, then down 24 or something like that. It's Yeah. Then there might be some back road you got to take. But, uh, yeah, Huntsville's a pretty nice town down there. I mean, they got yeah. the Von Braun Arena, and that's where the conference is. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I'm going to do just in general now that I've done a lot of talks, you know, at the user group and at different conventions is get into some, you know, and I encourage you guys to do the same, like, you know, submit to some of these developer conferences now that, you know, you've got a pretty good backlog of alks. Yeah, it's always good to put on a resume and everything. I mean, yeah, usually you don't you don't get much out. I mean, uh, 
you really can't promote your stuff or anything. But uh, it is helpful just getting your name out there as a speaker and, uh, I don't know, raising your esteem and things like that. Yeah. I actually, I just, I mean, I like doing it as far as, like, I, like, the talks that I enjoy the most are the ones where I can just, like, you know, the audience asking questions and, you know, I'm doing something. You know, like some of the stuff we've done at the game design meetup. Um, so it's just a good experience in general. Yeah, just a much bigger audience than our usual game dev groups. And it is also pretty cool to get outside Knoxville and meet pe developers from other areas. And yeah, yeah, very cool stuff. Okay, uh, so I guess I'll go ahead and. Uh, Get the next item on the list here. So, yeah, Dream Build Play is back. They're coming back with uh, Dream Build Play 2017. And it runs from... Uh, I know they have the signups already started. Uh, let's see here. Screen sharing. Can you all see my screen? Okay. Uh, not sure if everybody can see my screen or not, but uh, yeah, so uh, it, uh, they already have signups. I'm assuming you can go ahead and start working on your game. I'm not sure, but it runs until the end of the calendar year, uh, until December 31st, and I think there's supposed to be prizes. Uh, read Definitely read all the fine print here. Um, but yeah, Dream Build Play is uh, how I really got into XNA, which we mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, how we, how I got into XNA development for uh, developing for the Xbox 360, and so they're kind of trying to revive that. I remember the last one they had quite a few submissions, a few hundred submissions, and. Uh, yeah, it is a good time. Uh, everybody got to show off what they're working on, things like that. So, yeah, registration. Okay, you can register any time before the end of the year. Team formation and game submission. So they've got this team formation, which starts August 2nd. So that's I guess that's where you officially uh, register your game. Well, they had the pre-registration here, which I've already done. But team formation, I guess that's another... Uh, I don't know, way to actually declare who you're working with and things like that. And then judging starts not long after that. So I'm assuming, again, it'll be judged by Microsoft. So from what I understand, you don't have to uh, develop for the Xbox One. You can develop for the Windows Store, but I think you have to have like a Windows developer account, which isn't difficult to get and just need an email address to sign up on their site and basic things screenshots a game video business plan hmm well that's kind of new right there but uh yeah so even if you don't have an xbox one i think you can still submit it as a pc game or uh, a vr mixed reality game or obviously xbox one console uh, so they got all of the details on this site. Um, so as we mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, GM48 is coming up uh, next weekend, which uh, starts in five days next Friday. So I think 
theme voting is already going on right now. Round two of voting. Yeah, they've settled on the theme finalists. Um, I think there's ten of them. Uh, yeah, they're there. The oh. candidates. So we got reputation, extreme climate, supernatural, destructible, sleep, pirates, sacrifice, eight colors, indirect control, and constantly moving. This would be one of those. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I like any of the pirates. Maybe cool. I don't know. <laughs> uh, supernatural. You can do a yeah, lot of things with that. Um, eight color sounds kind of limiting to me. I don't like things that restrict the aesthetics and things like that. But I guess there's different ways you can use that. Constantly moving. That seems like that's more of a mechanic restriction right there. But yeah, uh, I, I definitely know Joe and myself will be planning on participating in GM48. We'll probably be uh, showing off our games and everything next month. Um, then we also have the Mini LD that's actually going on right now. It's actually a Mini LD slash uh, Ludum Dare 39 warm up. So I, I've typically done these Mini LDs, which are like more relaxed versions of Ludum Dare. Uh, so this ends a couple of days before Ludum Dare 39 starts. The theme is co-op, so the idea is either you work with somebody else or you make a game with like couch co-op two-player style gameplay. So uh, that's out there. Then I didn't have a tab for it, but as we talked about earlier, ldjam.com, Ludum Dare, they moved it up to July 29th or 28th, uh, the last Friday in July. So it's a little bit earlier this year. Uh, theme voting hasn't started yet, but uh, it will be on the new site. So we're planning on doing a kickoff, uh, Panera again, probably that Friday night. So be on the lookout for information about that, which will be posted on the noxgamedesign.com web or .org website, and uh, I'll probably send out a email as well to the uh, subscriber list. Uh, I was going to show off this website, uh, indiegamejams.com. It's another place to go to if you're looking for game jams to participate in. And there used to be a site called compohub.net, and I don't think, uh, I think it bit the dust. Uh, so here's a good place to go. I think a lot of these are just like itch.io jams, but they also have the mini LD right there. Uh, and it actually has like a little calendar showing how long each of these game jams run. Um, I was also going to mention uh, the Knox Dev Slack group. It's a great group for uh, developers in the Knoxville area. And I thought I had uh, a link to a post. So Slack is kind of like Internet Relay Chat, but it has IRC, but it has a few additional features. Uh, such as you can post documents and post images and things like that. But the reason I brought this up is I noticed somebody on here, which I don't have the direct link, but somebody mentioned like a Knoxville uh, show-off 
uh, I think it's supposed to be at the uh, World's Fair Park. And, okay, yeah, so uh, right here, um, mark your calendars for August 10th and join us at the, I guess it's Sun Sphere. I don't know if it's going to be inside the Sun Sphere or, I guess it is, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, but they're going to showcase all the local tech meetups. So I'm assuming we're invited uh, as Knoxville Game Design. Uh, they haven't published any more details about it. But uh, I know whenever they publish their uh, materials for distribution and things like that, they always have Knoxville Game Design on there. So I can get in touch with uh, these guys and find out more about this because it isn't until August. But it sounds like another opportunity to get the word out about what we're doing in Knoxville Game Design. It's on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, I didn't even see that. So I'll try to make it out to that if I can. If anybody else can join, that'd be great as well. Yeah, it's like an evening. Yeah, if it's like an evening thing, I can. Yeah, I'll look into it some more and find out about what they're doing and everything. Sounds like it's a quarterly event, so I guess they'll be doing it more often as well. Uh, I was going to mention Recursor, who's also in. East Tennessee, he's still doing Love 2D tutorials, so if you're interested in Love 2D, which I think is a Lua-based game engine, definitely check his stuff out. He does a really good job. He's up to part 21 uh, in his tutorial series here, so check that out. Uh, so I think that's all I have for links this month. Uh, did uh, anybody else have anything they wanted to share off this month? No. Okay. No, okay. I'll go ahead and jump on into. I'm going to do a quick uh, overview of this uh, game development environment called Gudo, and. Um, so this is another thing like Ludum Dare, the pronunciation controversy is like, why can't developers just pick a name, a simple name that everybody can pronounce? So, so I think the official word on this is that there is a play, I'm not sure if it's French or Italian, but it's called Waiting for Godot, and it's spelled G-O-D-O-T, and that's supposedly where this got its name. I don't know why they called it that, but so... That's what, or it might be Goad. I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. It's like another Ludum Dare, Ludum Dare uh, controversy. Uh, other people say, it's like, well, the logo is a robot, so it should be Godot, since that kind of rhymes. But anyway, uh, it is a game development environment similar to Unity, very similar to Unity, actually. Uh, but it is open source, uh, MIT licensed. So one benefit is you can, if you actually want to know what's going on under the hood, you can go to the repository online and find out all about what's going on if you really want to know that level of detail about your game engine. Uh, and, or you can actually uh, contribute, uh, change the code, use it however you want to as well. So that's one nice thing about being MIT 
license, which is like one of the most free licenses out there. I know with the um, GNU, GNU licenses, uh, if you develop something on top of it, then it has to be GNU license as well. But MIT, I think it's pretty much you can do anything uh, that you want to with the MIT license. Uh, another benefit is it's free and there's no pro version required. So if you make a game, you can sell as many copies. I know with Unity and other game engines, if you sell over like $100,000, then you have to actually buy the pro version uh, of the game engine. Uh, so that's another benefit. Uh, it runs on many open operating systems that I'm not sure if they have the Unity Editor for uh, Linux, but this also runs on weird things like Haiku and BIOS and maybe FreeBSD or all those free and open source operating systems. And also, there's no splash screen, so if the Unity splash screens annoy, annoys you, then this doesn't have a splash screen or anything. Um, it uses a scripting language called GDScript, uh, which is very similar to Python. Let's see, You can see the code right here. Uh, so if you're a fan of Python, then you may want to look into this because it's very similar to that. And... One thing I really like is the code editor is built right into the IDE right here. So, and it's very fast. You can see how fast I clicked over there and uh, it just pops up. You don't have to wait on Visual Studio or Mono Developer or anything like that. Uh, another thing it's just kind of like the cool thing to do right now. I know if I go to the game developer groups on Facebook, everybody's like, oh, Goudot's the greatest thing since sliced bread, which uh, I don't know if I totally agree with that, but it seems like it's definitely gaining a following. And also, it seems to be a little bit more stable than Unity. I know if I go into Unity and I create like an infinite loop, by mistake and hit the play button that will crash the game and crash the entire unity editor and if you don't have a script you don't have an editor script automatically save when you press play you can obviously lose lots of work that way but in this i actually did a test last night and if i do an infinite loop uh and run it it just crashes the game and not your entire browser or your entire ide um, so I remember installing this about a year ago. I was playing around with it. I highly recommend there's a version in the Steam store under software. Uh, so I'd recommend getting that version because it, it's automatically compiled and everything for you. If you try to build uh, it yourself, it can be a little bit of a headache. So I recommend the Steam version there. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'll get into it a little bit. It's a lot like Unity. Let me open my main game scene right here. So over here you have your scenes, which uh, is a lot like the scenes in Unity. Just like a game world. A little bit different, which I'll get into in a second. You have uh, what they call nodes, which are laid out hierarchically, which a node is very similar to a game object in Unity. Uh, so you can think of it that way. 
there are no components. So if you're coming from Unity and you're used to having uh, a game object and putting multiple components on that, there's no components at all. You just have nodes and the nodes have a specific object type. Um, so one of the things that I typically do in Unity is I'll have an object and it has like a collider on it, a collider component and a rigid body component and some other stuff. Uh, so instead of doing that, you'll just have to have, and it can be a little bit confusing. You just have that object, then you have two, or you have a node, and then you have two child nodes that are of type rigid body, and then you have another node that is the uh, collision uh, type, the collider type. Um, yeah, so the inspector is over here, so it's very similar to Unity. Whenever you click an object in the scene, then it will pop up with its properties over here under the inspector. Uh, the only difference is it orders things from like the least significant or the most significant to the least significant. So where this comes in, uh, where this is important is that in Unity, typically you'll have the object's 3D properties such as the position, rotation, and scale up at the top. It's actually in the bottom because it's kind of like higher up in that uh, object or node type hierarchy so you always have to scroll down if you want to play with the rotation and position and things like that so yeah this is was a game that i created uh i started working on it about a year ago as a warm-up for Lidum dore's little uh jet fighter that you can play as and you just shoot uh shoot your missiles and you can uh blow up these little smiley face creatures right there and uh, then I got the 2D overlay showing the uh, amount of time to reload your missiles and then you can run into the enemies and then you take damage and I got this color coordinated with how much damage you've actually taken. So that's the game that I've been working on the past few weeks. Um, so in this object hierarchy I can like get, you have one root node I can add a new node and the spatial type is like the highest uh, 3D type object you can have, which has the translation, rotation, and scale, and everything kind of inherit, all the 3D object types inherit from that. But then you have your 2D components as well, uh, which inherit from node 2D. Then you have these control objects as well. Um, so unlike Unity, where you can make multiple scripts for a game object, and here a node can only have one script. Uh, so in that way, it's sort of like Game Maker. Uh, you still have to name your script and save it out to a file, but sometimes it makes it a little bit easier. One node, one script. Um, so each uh, script for each game object has a func ready, a function ready. So that's kind of like the start uh, method in C-sharp that you would use in Unity if you're doing C-sharp in Unity. And then the update is func process delta. 
So one important thing to remember is that you have to call set process true in your uh, ready startup function or else this uh, process, which is similar to update, will never get called. So that's like the first problem that I ran into. This delta parameter, that's sort of like time dot delta time in Unity. So that basically just tells you how much time has elapsed since the last frame was called. So you can. So it has, it has delta time built in. Yes. That's yeah. nice. That just gets passed as a parameter right here. Yeah, so you can use that to like smooth out, like if you're doing a translation and you don't know how how much time if you do like a constant value then your movement can look jerky because the inconsistent amount of time between frame updates but here you can use that delta to multiply by to smooth that out um i mentioned earlier it's a python style language which i'm not that big of a fan of python but the one thing that i do like about this editor is it has visual tabs and anybody ha that has developed with python probably knows space is very significant so if you can have visual tabs to see how far indented you are that actually helps a lot um, you have your project assets tab. Where is that? So uh, in Unity, you'd have your project assets. This is the file system in Godot. Uh, so this has all your resources, like your fonts, your sound effects, your meshes, and textures. But unlike Unity, unfortunately, Unity, you can just like drag those image files and audio files into that actual location on the file system here you actually have to import them using this import option so it's kind of like an extra step um so uh, so scenes are the same every scene i think we create a new scene yeah, if you create a new scene, it doesn't give you anything. Whereas in Unity, if you create a new scene, it automatically gives you a camera and um, a directional light. So here you actually just have to create like a new world node. Uh, node. And then you can add a directional light. Directional yeah, directional light, and add a camera. Camera. So you kind of got to do that yourself, which is unfortunate, but that's the way it works. Uh, so another uh, thing that is a lot different than Unity, there's no prefabs in this Godot engine. Uh, so it's... It takes a little while to get your mind around it, but to create a prefab, you actually have to create a new scene. So, like for this jet fighter, I have a player, and scenes are either .scn or .tscn files. I'm not exactly sure the difference between the two. But yeah, I basically have a scene just with the player and its properties. And then in code, you can actually load 
that branch, or you can instantiate it right here, which I think is what I've done with the player. Yeah, you can instantiate it directly uh, in your scene editor right there. I think you, yeah, instance child scene. But if you have like multiple enemies, then you have to instantiate that in code, which uh, I think I have, uh, go back to the scripts, and I have enemies, dot gd and you have to do this weird stuff where you preload you give it the name of the resource in your file system over here and then you call the instantiate method on that and that's how you actually do an instantiation of a prefab so a little bit different than unity right there um and you actually have to manually set the translation and rotation properties yourself. Whereas in Unity, you pass those in as a vector three and a, I think it's quaternion to the instantiate uh, method call. Also uh, in Unity, you have like application load level. I think that may be depreciated, deprecated uh, in Unity, can't remember exactly what the new call is, but in Godot, the switching of the scenes is a little bit more of a hassle. Uh, basically, you got to get a reference to that top-level node. Let's see if I have title menu. You get a reference to that top-level node, uh, which you do with this code right here. Get, get tree, get root, get child, all that mess right there. And then you load in the next scene, and then you just attach that new scene as a child to the root node. So, got to watch out for that. A little bit different than Unity right there. Uh, you can run into problems if you have two nodes with the same name in different scenes. It, it changes the no name of the node a little bit behind the scenes. That's something to watch out for. Um, another thing is the game view in Godot. Uh, what you got to do, so like in Unity, you just have a game tab and it automatically shows the current state of the game world. In this, you actually have to go to the 3D view and click on your camera and then click preview. So that's about the closest you can get to, um, the game view in unity and also unfortunately with this i think you can modify i'm not even sure if you can modify uh these properties of the game objects while in preview mode i think you actually have to come out change it here then go back and do another preview which is a little bit of a hassle um in unity you have a audio source component for playing sound effects and music. Uh, but in Godot, you have two different uh, node types. One is a sample player that's used for playing sound effects. You can specify like the volume and the number of this polyphony is the number of uh, sound effects you can play at the same time. And then you have to import those audio files. I think it accepts like AUG format and wave i believe or maybe aug is for uh music so for music you have a stream player and i don't it's a little bit different i don't think you actually have to import that as an asset type but the audio samples you do so 
keep that in mind. Uh, the play mode is limited. Uh, I know, so you can like actually click this little director's type thing right there to play the game, but it starts in its own window and you can't actually change things in the scene while it's playing. So that's one benefit to Unity. You can actually change things around while the game is actually playing and see how it uh, affects the game world. But you always have to remember once you press stop in Unity, then it loses all your changes and you have to go back and add those back in again. Um, in Unity, you have gameobject.find to grab any game object uh, in, in the game world. In Godot, you have get node, and probably have some examples of that in here somewhere. But one thing you got to make sure is that um, you that node actually exists before you call it, and you can call the has node function, like right here, has node root world game to ensure that node exists before you try to grab a reference to it. Um, one nice thing about Godot is in Unity, to grab a variable on a script on a game object, you actually, once you have a reference to the game object, you have to call get component with the script type. Uh, in Godot, you just get a reference to that node and then you can call any uh, variable that's defined uh, in the script that's assigned to that node. So that's actually kind of nice. It's a little bit more like GameMaker that way. Uh, there's no data types in this GD script. Um, if you want to change the type of a variable, you can use st the str method, then put your variable in there to convert it to a string or like float and put, then put it in parentheses for a float variable. Um, so building a game in Unity, you have build settings export in Godot. You have export here, and you have like your standard Windows, Mac, Linux, and HTML file builds right here. Um, and also, similar to Unity, you have project settings, and you have your input map here. This is similar to the input map in Unity. You can define like these high level pseudo buttons like fire or left and right. So a move right actually is detected by like the K key or the right arrow or pressing right on the left stick. Um, and like fire can be like a button press on a gamepad or uh, left mouse click. So, and you can actually define these yourself as well. So it's a, it's a way to handle multiple input devices. It makes things a little bit cleaner if, when you do that. And to detect a button, you use input get button down, then the name of that uh, meta button. And also there are particle systems similar to Unity which you may have seen on this main scene. So like the thrusters on this jet right here, just like an image uh, right there, a little flame image uh, in a particle system. Uh, it's a little bit more limited in Gudo. You don't have things like change color over time or fade over time, but it has enough to do the job. And 
Uh, a few annoyances in Gudo. The IntelliSense really isn't that great. In <clears throat> the code editor, a lot of times it won't detect the methods on the node type. So if you have like a camera, then it doesn't always detect all the camera methods. But once you have the uh, method in there, it usually changes color for you. Um, Another annoying thing is this little spinning thing up here in the upper right-hand corner. You can actually disable that. But the only thing that's really useful is like whenever it's repainting the scene. So it's like whenever you're or repainting the GUI, it's really strange. But uh, whenever you're move, moving your mouse around, you see this little spinner going on up there. And it, at first I thought it was saving or something, but it, it's just for whenever the sc screen gets redrawn in the IDE. It's kind of weird. Uh, the 3D view is kind of a hassle to move around. I'm used to in Unity, like right clicking and then be, being able to use like the first person style controls, ASD and W to move around. But in Gudo, you only have middle mouse button to rotate and then you can translate by holding shift or zoom in and out by holding control. So it doesn't have the controls that I like for moving around in 3D. Uh, and also they have a ambient light in the settings right here, but this, so you can change like the color to red or whatever, but this only applies in this 3D view. If you play your game, then it still shows up with the standard lighting. So I don't understand why they have ambient lighting only in the 3D view right here, but maybe there's a reason for that. Uh, what Gudo doesn't have, animation import is limited. Uh, so in Unity, you can basically just take a Blender file and plop it into your uh, project and automatically import the mesh and all the associated uh, textures and things like that. There is an import for meshes, but you have to export your mesh and Blender into the OBJ format for just a regular mesh. But you can also export a whole scene with animations and lighting and things like that using the Collada exporter in uh, Unity. So if you need animations, uh, you have to export using the Collada format. And then you also import, import here's a trick, uh, Collada models, models using scene instead of mesh. Um, I've still had a lot of problems getting animations to actually work. Uh, that I've imported from Blender. So uh, there may need to be some more work done for that, or maybe I just don't know how to do that correctly yet. There is an animation editor, which I won't get into, but uh, that works pretty much for 2D objects. I think you can do rig 3D models too. There's no Playmaker equivalent for the Gudo engine. There's no like graphical state management or anything like that. Uh, there's no asset store, so there's nowhere you can go and just like pull uh, assets directly into your game. You actually have to, uh, that's supported by this editor or anything like that. Um, another issue I had, a lot of the tutorials online, online seem to be focused just on 2D games. There's not a lot on 3D games yet, although there are examples uh, that come with this engine for doing 3D games. So you can, that's how I learned just looking at the code. Uh, what it does have, one nice thing is for each node over here, 
you have these signals. So this, these are like things that can get called, uh, like interrupts uh, for each of the different uh, object types. So they're all over here. Then, and I won't do it here, but if you double click on one of these, it will automatically add uh, this method to the code uh that the script file that's on that game object so like if you have a timer it has like a timeout function where you can set like a timer out timer to timeout every how many seconds 10 seconds or so then this on timer timeout method will get called in your code um Another nice thing is the, let's see, you, you have, as I mentioned earlier, you, you can switch between 2D and 3D mode uh, right here for a scene and then the scripts. I don't think Unity has this. Uh, in Unity, it basically overlays the 2D view right in your 3D view. So it's kind of weird. You have like your 3D game, then you have like this big UI layout. Um, in the middle of your game world so I'm, i wish that's something unity would still if they don't have it they may have it i just haven't found it yet but uh to be able to switch from those two different types of views uh they do have quite a bit of documentation let's see here on the gudo website which i'm maybe yeah uh they do have their api and it's fairly well documented with all the different um uh, methods and things like that i think you can just like look for say look for camera and then it'll search and then it'll bring back camera so it'll show you all the methods for this node type and but some of the documentation on the method is fairly limited and it really doesn't have too many uh examples on here or anything and that's one thing that i kind of find fun with this i mean with unity it's been documented well so there's pretty much an answer for everything here i got to kind of figure out uh how all this works myself so if you're interested in figuring things out <laughs> that aren't well documented it's definitely uh good for that um let's see here where is my notes and also uh one last thing if you have a method in Gudo, then if you don't have any code associated with uh, the method, you can always use the pass. And that may be a standard Python thing, but yeah, uh, you just use uh, pass right here to end your function. Otherwise, it will think that the function just goes on for eternity. Um, yeah, that is a standard Python thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm trying to get back into it and learn Python. I really haven't done much with it, but uh, it's a little bit different there. Um, uh, very dependent on spacing, uh, semicolon delimited, or maybe you don't have to have the semicolons at the end of the lines. And uh, yeah, so that's basically it for Gudo, my uh, quick overview of Gudo for Unity developers. So I'll try to like either post my notes or make slides on this and post this up to the website. Stop sharing. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to mention, let's see, share this out. 
is that uh, Dylan, uh, last month, you recommended Stitcher uh, for distributing the podcast. Yeah, I'd been, I'd actually started uh, listening to more podcasts on that, and it made it really easy. Yeah, so I got Knoxville Game Design on Stitcher. It was a pretty simple process. Um, just submitted the RSS feed and like an image and there's like a little questionnaire. It's like, Oh, how many listeners do you have? And what's your Twitter handle? Knoxville game design. It was fairly easy. They do review your submissions. So it took like five days or so, uh, to get it up on here, but it's out there. If anybody else is on Stitcher, check us out. Knoxville game design. Um, let's see here. So, uh, as always, you can find us on knoxgamedesign.com or knoxgamedesign.org, sorry. Um, so, let's see here. So, that's all I had for this week. I guess I'll go around one more time. Uh, stop screen sharing. And uh, we'll start with Jacob. Jacob, did you have anything else you'd like to share this month? Uh, not really anything to report. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for joining us this month. And yeah, welcome. Yeah, next month hopefully we'll do like a show off of the games that we've developed for Ludum Dory and things like that. Uh, Dylan, did you have anything else you wanted to share this month? Uh, no, I don't have anything okay. either. Uh, well, people can find you at DylanWolf.com. You're DylanWolf on Twitter and DylanWolf on Itchy. You're DylanWolf everywhere. Huh. Uh, Joe, did you have anything else you wanted to share this month? Uh, no, just looking forward to some, some jams. We'll see what we get out of July. Awesome. Uh, everyone, you can find Joe at Double Square LLC, uh, Double Square Joe on Twitter, uh, and I forget what your itchio is. It's Double Square. Uh, it's just Double Square. Just Double Square. And also check out Joe's Patreon. Uh, I think you're in, uh, Double Square on there as well. Yeah. And everybody can find me, LeviDSmith.com. I'm GA Tech Grad, Gotech Grad on Twitter. I have a Patreon, Levi D. Smith. Check out my YouTube channel. Uh, you can find me, Levi D. Smith, on YouTube as well. So that's about it. You can find the podcast on iTunes, as I mentioned earlier. We're also on Stitcher now. And also, you can look us up on YouTube if you want the version with the video. And also, we have, we're on the Google Play Store. And also, you can grab the raw RSS feed uh, directly from our website. So, that's it for July 2017. Appreciate everyone out there who's been listening and watching. Uh, leave us feedback on uh, iTunes. If you like the show, if you hate the show, let us know what we can do better. So anyway, until next month, thanks everyone for listening and watching.